Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. Today our topic is going to be understanding our inheritance. Let's begin today in Hebrews chapter 9. In Hebrews chapter 9, beginning in the 11th verse, it says, But Christ being come, a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For at the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people, According to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament, which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Verse 16 is very important. It says, For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. The reason why we're listening to this program today, the reason why we're celebrating Easter this week, is because Jesus died on our behalf. He died to pay the penalty for the sins that we committed. His death was a necessity, not only to fulfill the prophecies, but also to usher in the New Testament, the new covenant that God wanted to make with his people. He wasn't forcibly murdered against his will. He willingly gave his life because he knew the effect that his death would have. Matthew chapter 26, verses 53 to 54 say, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled, that thus it must be? We find here again necessity in the phrase, it must be. His death was the catalyst that set the new covenant in motion. Verse 17 told us, For a testament is of force, after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all, while the testator liveth. The NSAB version translates this verse as, For a covenant is valid, only when men are dead. For it is never in force, while the one who made it lives. The new covenant is the Lord's last will and testament. And now that he died, just like in the natural when people die, all that is within the testament is passed on, and now belongs to those who the testator appointed to receive the inheritance. But who are they who he appointed? Who are the rightful inheritors of the new covenant? It's us, the people of God. Moses, speaking of the old covenant, which foreshadowed the new covenant, said in verse 20, This is the blood of the testament, which God hath enjoined unto you. He was referring to the blood of animals. But we had the blood of Jesus, sealing our covenant forever, 
which is infinitely greater and more powerful than the blood of an animal could ever be. Verse 15 also told us, And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. We're the ones who were called. We're the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. Ephesians 1 and 18 and the English Standard Version tells us, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. We need to understand that we have an inheritance, especially and uniquely belonging to us. Romans chapter 8, verses 16 to 17 say, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit, that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. The word heir in Greek means an inheritor. The concordance also says that it means one who receives his allotted possession by right of sonship. This shows us that we're beyond just ordinary heirs. We're sons and children of God. We're family. We don't join the kingdom of God. We're born into it. And this happened when we became born again. We need to take a closer look at the inheritance that Christ made available to us. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in the first verse, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints, which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. According as ye have chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he had purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, under the praise of his glory. Today we have an inheritance. It's important that we note that our inheritance is recorded in a testament, because a testament is a legally binding document. It's not something that could ever be disregarded. Noah Webster defines testament as a solemn, authentic instrument in writing by which a person declares his will as to the disposal of his estate and effects after his death. This is otherwise called a will. A testament to be valid must be made when the testator is of sound mind. It must be subscribed, witnessed, and published in such a manner as the law prescribes. Since this is a legally enforced and legally binding document, 
it falls that as his heirs, the inheritance legally belongs to us and can't legally be taken away from us. The inheritance is what he has willed for us to receive. This is clear in this chapter. The second part of verse 5 says, according to the good pleasure of his will. Then verse 9 tells us, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he had purposed in himself. This goes beyond just revealing to us that it's his will. It shows us that it's his pleasure to give us everything that belongs to him. It's pleasing to him to see us receive what he's offering us, and we receive it by claiming it in faith. Faith calls things that are not as though they were. Even when it feels like we don't have the inheritance and the benefits of it, we need to reach out and take hold of the promises because they belong to us. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This gives him even more pleasure. He not only takes pleasure in giving the inheritance, he also takes pleasure when we receive it in faith. The inheritance that we've been given is the word of God, both testaments, because the New Testament is the fulfillment and completion of the Old Testament. It's what the Old Testament was pointing towards the entire time. Everything in the word, every promise is ours, and every blessing is ours. Verse 3 told us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. The key word here is all. That means every possible blessing, none excluded. The word all in Greek means every, the whole, every kind of. The concordance goes on to say that it means each, every, all in the sense of each and every part that applies. The emphasis of the total picture is on one piece at a time. It focuses on the parts, making up the whole, viewing the whole in terms of the individual parts. This reveals that not only is every blessing available to us, but they happen in God's perfect timing. We never have or receive the inheritance in full, all at one time. Only when we get to heaven will we enjoy it in its fullness. Until then, the blessings come when God sends them, one at a time. They're each a small part of the inheritance. Why would God only allow us to experience parts of the inheritance instead of the whole all at once? It's because the blessing at the wrong time is really a curse. God always gives them in His timing because He knows when we're ready for it, because He knows us better than we know ourselves. There are certain times when we need the promises of God. God will always give us exactly what we need at exactly the right time, exactly when we need it. Sometimes people in the natural inherit things that they don't like or things that they don't want to deal with. The same happens in the spiritual. We may not like some parts of the inheritance, but it still belongs to us. This is especially true when it comes to the commands that we find all throughout the Word of God. Everyone wants the blessings, and everyone wants the promises, but no one wants the commands. This is because they call for us to change how we're doing things and submit to God's way. It's human nature for us to be averse to change. We can't just pick and choose what we want to take from the inheritance. We either take everything or we leave it. If we want all the blessings and all the promises, then we have to take all the commands too. They all go together. When we rightly follow His commands, it prepares us to receive everything else. Since we're inheritors, we have to receive it all and do with it as God intended because it's His will. The next thing we need to look at is the earnest. Verses 13 to 14 said, 
in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of your purchased possession, under the praise of his glory. 2 Corinthians 1 and 22 tells us, who have also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. We've received the earnest of the inheritance, which is the Holy Spirit. But what exactly does this mean? Earnest is defined as first fruits, that which is in advance and gives promise of something to come. Earnest or earnest money is the first payment or deposit, giving promise or assurance of full payment. Hence the practice of giving an earnest to ratify a bargain. This reinforces what we saw earlier about one at a time. We only experience the earnest now, but we'll receive the full inheritance in heaven. It's already been paid for in full by Christ in his death, and now he delegates it to us as he chooses. Every last will and testament in the natural needs an executor, and the same holds true for the spiritual. God the Father makes the plan, Jesus executes the plan, and the Holy Spirit watches over the plan to bring it to pass. Christ is the executor of his own will. He's in charge of how the inheritance is delegated. He chooses who receives what at what time. This is why we bring our needs and our wants to him. Philippians 4 and 19 says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's the possessor of all wealth. And he supplies to us all that we need as he executes his will and delegates the contents and benefits of his inheritance. He delegates it through the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit watches over the will to make sure that it comes to pass in our lives. He acts as the guardian of the will. He leads us as we inherit the promises. John 16 and 13 says, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. This is why we have a special connection with the earnest of the Spirit. He's within us, and he's manifesting the inheritance. The earnest payment is made for security purposes. Christ paid the price in full on the cross, so that our inheritance is forever absolutely secure. Hebrews 9 and 17, that we looked at earlier, said, For a testament is of force, after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all, while the testator liveth. The term of force offers deeper insight into this. In Greek, it means firm, secure, steadfast, enduring, certain. The concordance also says that it means to walk where it's solid, sure enough to walk on, firm, unshakable, worthy of confidence, absolutely dependable, giving guaranteed support and security. Through his death, He made our inheritance perfectly secure. It can never be taken away from us, especially with the Holy Spirit always guarding it from those seeking to steal or destroy it. We also get more insight into another aspect of our inheritance. That aspect is strength. The word used in this verse for strength in the Greek means to be strong, to have power, to be full of health and vigor, to be able, to prevail. The concordance goes on to say that it means embodied strength that gets into the fray and action, engaging in the resistance. For the believer, it refers to the Lord strengthening them with combative, confrontive force to achieve all he gives faith for, that is, facing necessary resistance 
that brings what the Lord defines is success. It is directly connected to faith. This reveals a lot. Our inheritance is strong. It is power. It's able to prevail against any attacks of the enemy. Not only is our inheritance strong itself, when we truly receive it in faith, it gives us strength and power through the inworking of the Holy Spirit. It gives us everything that we need in order to get into the fray, combat the enemy, and resist his attacks. When we faithfully use the tools our inheritance made available to us to fight the spiritual warfare that we come across in this life, we will prevail and we will have what God defines as success. He gave it and he takes pleasure in us using our inheritance to its fullest potential. We have to know that our inheritance is strong and because of that, we're strong, we're powerful and now we're victorious. Even though Christ died on the cross on Calvary, death couldn't stop him and the grave couldn't hold him. Three days later, he resurrected. When a person in the natural dies, and we receive an inheritance from them, we receive what they possessed, but we lose them, which is by far the most important part. With Christ, however, we get the best of both worlds. Not only can we have all that he possessed, more importantly, we can have him. Now because he's resurrected, we can personally know him for ourselves, and when we invite him into our life, we can have Him living within us. This is what Easter is all about. It's not a celebration of His death, because He's not dead. He's alive and He lives forevermore. We have Him forever, because our inheritance is eternal life, in which we'll get to be forever with God. Matthew 28 and 20 tells us, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. By far, the greatest part of our inheritance is Jesus Himself, and He's always there with us no matter what. He never leaves and He never forsakes us. Easter is a celebration of His life, past, present, and future. Hebrews 13 and 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. He doesn't change, which leads us to the last part of our study. Hebrews 10 and 1 says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. The old covenant was only the shadow of the new. Shadows don't last forever. They move and change. And we find that things changed when Christ resurrected and ushered in the new covenant. James 1 and 17 tells us, Every good gift and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The Old Testament was a shadow of the new to come, but in Christ there is no shadow. He is the very image of the things. He is the perfect fulfillment of the Old Covenant. Hebrews 9 and 11 says, But Christ being come, a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. This is the God that we serve. This is the God who gave us our inheritance. He is the high priest of good things to come. Good things happened when he came. They happened when he resurrected. They're happening right now, and they're going to happen in the future. As we celebrate the resurrection this year, there's a lot going on in the world around us that the enemy wants to use to make us discouraged. We see inflation, wars, crime, upheaval all around us. But we can't allow these things to take our focus off of Jesus and the fact that he is resurrected and alive today. The next time the devil tries to remind us of how bad things are in the world, we need to remind him that we serve the God of good things to come. 
Jesus is executing these good things right now, and the Holy Spirit is watching over them to bring them to pass. As long as we're faithfully serving the Lord, there is always good on the way. Nothing and no one can stop the good things from happening that the Lord has planned for His people because they're all a part of our inheritance. They're legally and rightfully ours. We have reason to celebrate, not only today, not only this week, but every day, because our God lives, and He takes pleasure in giving us all that He has. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank You for this day, and we thank You for Your Word. Lord, we thank You that when You saw the sad condition of sinfulness that we were in, that You didn't leave us in that state, with no help and no chance of escape. But we thank You that You came down to earth and became a man, to live the life that we couldn't live, and to die the death that we should have died. Lord, we thank you that you did all this on our behalf, that you shed your blood for us so that we can be covered and have eternal life to spend eternity with you. And we thank you that the story didn't end there with your death, but that three days later, you resurrected, that you came back to life, and now we thank you that we can be with you forevermore. Lord, we thank you for the inheritance that you paid in full on our behalf, Lord, today we claim all those promises, all those blessings in faith. And Lord, we ask that you give us the wisdom and the strength to follow all the commands that you've given us throughout your will. Lord, we thank you that you've unveiled to us the mystery of your will, that you've made known to us your word. And we thank you that through the inworking of the Holy Spirit, that you're going to help us to fulfill all the role that you've given us to play. Lord, we thank you for all the good things that are coming all the good things that have already happened, and all the good things that are happening right now. We thank you that you are a high priest of good things to come. And Lord, we claim that promise today in faith, that good things are on the way. And Lord, we give you all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to enjoy the full benefits of your inheritance and of Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for His forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for His free gift of eternal life. Now, if you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingsburgbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingsburgbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.